the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God's people have had enemies since they came into existence. And most of those enemies, no one remembers. And these people who think they are so important today, do you really think much of anyone will remember them in two to three hundred years? Just a quick glance at the headlines in the news these days, and you begin to wonder, man, are we going to make it? I mean, things are just upside down, topsy-turvy in every which way, but loose. Well, fortunately for us, there is a God who is sovereign and in control, who is enthroned in the heavens and looks down and rules and reigns over all of it. No matter how chaotic it may seem from our eyes and our vantage point, God has a better handle on it than you and I could ever imagine. We invite you to join us once again here in Psalm 9. No justice, no peace. And that's K-N-O-W on both counts. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose and today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. There is no standard of law outside of Him to which He must submit. There are no moral absolutes outside of Him that he must obey. No laws of logic, no laws of morality. There is nothing outside of God that he is accountable to, but there is a law in the heart of God, and that is his holy, morally perfect character. And he loves that holy character, and he never acts out of cord with that character. He is always consistent with it. He always lives and acts in accordance with it. He is not accountable to you or me. He's not accountable to any standard or law outside of him. But he does love that law in his heart, which is himself and his own morally perfect character. Have you ever noticed in the Old Testament, like especially in Psalm 119, where God's law is called testimonies? Well, one of the reasons they are called testimonies is because they testify to God's character. The law of God is the transcript of God's holiness and character. If you want to know what God's character is like in black and white, read His law in the Bible as a testimony to the law that is in His heart. And there is no higher standard. No higher authority, no higher law in all of creation than that law that is in the heart of God, that holy character of God by which he judges everything in his creation. And that law in the Bible is a description, a written black and white description of God's character, just like Jesus is a revelation of God's character in flesh and blood. 
You want to read what God is like in the Bible? Read his law. Do you want to see what God is like and how he is holy and righteous? Look at Jesus. Because in Jesus you have the incarnation of God's righteousness. So we are dealing with a fundamental issue of the scripture. No law is just. No governmental policy is just. No parental requirement is just. No policy of the church is just. If it is not consistent with the law of God that is in God's heart and that is written in black and white in Scripture. And that is why justice will not be found in America yet. Not until citizens and politicians realize there is no such thing as justice outside the law of God. That justice is an empty and arbitrary word without God. The redistribution of wealth from the haves to the has not is just that. It is nothing. It is impossible for a judge to render a just decision or a politician to make a just law or to deal properly with the various situations such as racism that are in the world today justly without the written revelation of the character of God found in God's law. There's a great bumper sticker that, bumper sticker that says, God's law or chaos. And if you don't think that is true, my friends, you are not paying attention to the news. So you see how fundamental these things are. God's righteousness means ascetic. He never acts out of character. He always acts in accord with his own holy, perfect nature, the law that is in his heart. His law in the Bible is written revelation of that law and that holy character, and Jesus Christ is the incarnation of it. So, the Republicans have no answer to what's going on today. The Republicans have no answer to the riots, and of course neither do the Democrats, and you probably already know that. But there is no Republican who comes close to it except the Lieutenant Governor of Texas, Dan Patrick, who said recently in public press conference, quote, our only hope for America is for Americans to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It took a moment of courage to say that, but he definitely is moving in the right direction. We just need more of him. All right, righteousness, setting, act in accordance with character and according to the standard of God's heart. Then the word just judgment or justice. And beloved, that word is pregnant with meaning. In Hebrew, the word is mispat. M-I-S-H-P-A-T. And there are four elements to God's judgment. These are important, so I would suggest that you write these down. When you see the word judging or judgment in Scripture, think of these four words. And these all come out of this word judgment, which is perfection of God. Discrimination, vindication, destruction, and salvation. Let me say them again. Discrimination, 
vindication, destruction, and salvation. Do you see what I mean by saying that this word is quite pregnant with meaning? All of these elements are in that Hebrew word for judgment. Discrimination. God discriminates. God is never neutral. He distinguishes between good and evil. He hates evil and loves good. Everything in him rises up to discriminate against evil wherever it occurs. Either against the looters in the street or the looters in Congress. He hates all evil and he discriminates against it. And he discriminates for all that is good. God loves good actions. He loves good people. Of course, he's got to make them good first, right? So God, first of all, discriminates in judgment. He distinguishes between evil and good, and he discriminates against evil and for good. Second word, vindicate. God is at work right now. In human history, vindicating himself and anything that he has established that is being assaulted by depraved man. If the church is under assault, God will vindicate his church. If a godly state is under assault, God will vindicate a godly state. If you, a godly family or a godly person, are under assault, God will vindicate you and he will vindicate himself. We've learned this from Revelation. He destroys all of his enemies. And we see that very strongly here in our psalm. He casts his enemies into hell in time and in eternity. Because God is not neutral. If you rebel against God's moral order, if you rebel against his social order, if you rebel against his word, God will destroy you. Which destruction leads to our fourth word, the salvation of God's people. When God's enemies are destroyed, God's people are saved and exalted. And that's how God always saves his people from their enemies, by destroying those enemies. And that is what makes rapturism such a lie. Rapturism says that the way God saves us from our enemies is rapturing us from out from the midst of our enemies. Beloved, that's not taught anywhere in Scripture. Not anywhere ever in Scripture. Remember how God saved Israel from Egypt? Did God just up and rapture Israel out of Egypt? No, God destroyed Egypt. What do you think the plagues were aimed at? The plagues were aimed at destroying one or the other of the Egyptian gods that they worshipped. So the plagues were aimed at their religion and the economy of Egypt. And then God killed all the firstborn of all the families. Now it doesn't say all the firstborn babies. It says all of the firstborn. And you know that you can be an adult and being a firstborn, right? It was devastating. And then God drowned the entire Egyptian army. So how did God save Israel? 
He did it by destroying Israel, or sorry, Egypt. God judges his enemies. He destroys them for the sake of his people to save his people. And brothers and sisters, if God has to destroy America to save his church, trust me, he will do it. Do not think that we are invulnerable. Only a fool would pick a fight with God. So judgment is discrimination, vindication, destruction, and salvation. And remember, the Hebrew word is misbat, M-I-S-H-P-A-T. What is the word for righteousness? Setic. It means to always act in accordance with character, to always act in conformity to God's own character, which character is revealed in his law and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's look at this great psalm. It has five stanzas, stanzas, and they are not all the same length. But let me give you a quick rundown of what these stanzas are all about. Stanza one, which are verses one and two, say that God is to be praised because he has revealed himself to us. Second stanza is verses three through six, and we see that God's righteousness is the guarantee of the defeat of our enemies. The third stanza is verses 7 through 10. They are the guarantee of the church's security. The fourth stanza, verses 11 through 16, God's righteousness is the subject of the church's praise. And verses 17 through 20, we see that God's righteousness must be the content of the church's prayers. Now let's look at each of these stanzas. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. I will be glad and exult in you. I will praise your name most high. So here you have David giving his testimony saying, the most important thing I do in life and the thing I love to do the most, the thing that is loftiest, holiest that I do in life is to praise God and not just simply with cliches. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. That's where this praise is to originate. David is saying, God has changed my heart. He has captured it. He has filled it with praise. And that's why I do everything. That is why I live. That is why I work. That is why I fight for righteousness. That is why I do everything in an attempt to praise and honor God from my heart. But notice it doesn't stay in my heart. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. The true Christian has a praise for God in his heart and will show itself through his lips. Christians are going to want to sing God's praises at church and at home, in the car, wherever they can. Their lips are moving. This praise that fills their hearts comes out of their lips with enthusiasm to tell others of their great God. Are you a Christian who is enthusiastic about praising God? 
Can you hardly wait to get to church to sing his praises and to hear his word preached? Do you sing his praises like King David? What does David praise God for? And what does he sing God's praises about? Well, in this psalm, it's not simply the benefits and the blessings that David himself receives from God. But it is something even more profound. He says in verse 2, I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name or to the revelation of your character and your will. O most high. So this exuberant praise that fills David's heart that comes through his mouth as a praise that God has revealed himself to David, that he knows God. He's not an idol. He's not a figment of David's imagination. God has brought him into communion and fellowship with himself. And in that fellowship, David is allowed to truly know God. That's what the word name means. The word name is the revelation of God's character and His will found in Holy Scripture and in Christ. Then in verses 3 through 6, he gets more specific. And he says, I am going to praise God for His righteousness and His judgment because they are the guarantee of the defeat of all our enemies. And oh, did David have enemies. Winston Churchill once said, if you, don't hear, if, if you don't have any enemies, you're not standing up for anything. There are all kinds of people who wanted David dead, even in his own household. In the early days, the civil government was against him. In the latter days, his own sons were against him. And of course, all around him, there were various foreign powers who were against him. But the fact that God never changes his character and acts according to his holy character, was the guarantee that all of David's wicked enemies would perish and he would survive. Verses 3 through 6, David says, When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before me, before you, not before me. Oh, I'm a great warrior. I'm a great general. I'm one of the greatest generals and warriors in the whole Middle East. My enemies turn back and stumble and perish, not because of me, but before you, O God. You, O God, are the warrior of Israel. Verse 4, for you have maintained my just cause. Why was his cause just? Because he was standing for God and with God. He was seeking to apply the law of God and maintain God's covenant and defend God's holy nation. For you have maintained my just cause. God sits on the throne judging righteously. And sitting on a throne is a metaphor for sovereignty. And twice in the psalm, God's sovereignty is brought up. My enemies are scattered. They perish before you. You maintain my cause because you are the sovereign God of the universe. You have everything under control. And when you judge men, you judge them according to your holy character. 
You discriminate between these evil enemies and your faithful people. And you destroy the enemy for the salvation of your people. And in the meanwhile, your name is vindicated. Verse 5. You have rebuked the nations. Now you're going to see a lot of past tense verbs here. The Old Testament prophets would prophesy the future with past tense verbs. So you are really supposed to translate them as if they are future tense. But the reason they do it in past tense is to let you know, since this is what God has planned, it is as certain that these things will take place as if they had already taken place. So I will make uh, the verbs um, future tense. Verse 5. You will rebuke the nations. You will destroy the wicked. You will block out their name forever and ever. The enemy will come to an end in perpetual ruins. And you will uproot the cities. And the very memory of them will perish. That is how total God's destruction of the enemies of his churches throughout history. It is total. They declare total warfare on the church, and God declares total warfare on them. Who do you think is going to win? And he's going to blot out his enemies to the point that they will be in perpetual ruins, and their memory will even perish from the history books. Do you know how many enemies of God's people for the past 4,000 years that no one knows about anymore? God's people have had enemies since they came into existence. And most of those enemies, no one remembers. And these people who think they are so important today, do you really think much of anyone will remember them in two to three hundred years? Do you think anyone's going to remember Joe Biden? Unless they study American politics, and then it will probably only warrant a very short paragraph. Same for Donald Trump, really. Unless he submits completely to the supremacy of God. Because God blots out the memory of his enemies who dare to attack his church or fail to submit and implement his holy word totally. Then in the third stanza, we see that God's righteousness is the guarantee of the church's security. We can conclude that because God's justice and his righteousness are the guarantee of the destruction of our enemies. And that our salvation is sure. Verse 7. But the Lord, it says in, in, but the Lord, it says in Hebrews, sits as king. Remember, that is what it says in verse 4 also. Here David is finding solace and comfort and encouragement, knowing that God is sitting on his throne as sovereign king over all things. He has established his throne, his sovereignty, for judgment, and he will judge the world in righteousness. Here is this sovereign God who foreordains everything that comes to pass, has everything under his control, and holds the reins of the universe. So how in the world can his judgment and his righteousness 
fail. When God goes to judge his enemies for the sake of the church, do you think he will fail? Do you think anyone is going to get away with anything? He's the sovereign God. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in Him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. (music) 